afternoon and welcome, welcome, welcome to another Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation's Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. I am your guest host, Michael Kernodal, and I have a special treat for you. I know you're saying, what is that special treat? I'm glad you asked. Today's educator is none other than Tyler Workman, and the topic is how to approach big band as a brass or woodwind instrumentalist. I just want to remind everyone who comes in, uh, thank you for joining us, first of all. If you have any questions, go into the chat feature and just type in your question. We're going to leave some time near the end where you can ask any, anything of the, um, the educator, and uh, we're just going to spend some time answering those at the end. But before we do that, you know, it wouldn't be right if we didn't uh, thank our sponsors. So we want to please ask you to check out the studio archives of past video sessions at clearwaterjazz.com education and outreach section. And that's brought to you by Blue Water Wealth Management at Stewart Partners and Duke Energy, as well as the Young Line podcast available wherever you stream. That's brought to you by our friends at Marine Max Clearwater. And just search Young Lines Jazz Master Virtual Sessions wherever you stream. So where do we start? I mean, Tyler's been with us uh, here at Clearwater Jazz. He's really given us some awesome, awesome sessions in the past. I'm just going to name a few. And, of course, you can go back in the archives later and check them out. He's done basic trombone fundamentals, long tones and lip slurs, or tongue and articulation, major scale arpeggio practice. I mean, the list goes on and on. He's even did. Uh, one on an approach to improvisation on trombone. You know, we all need a little help on improvisation, whether you're a beginner or you're a seasoned musician. These are great sessions. And just a little bit about Tyler. He's a composer, a performer, a producer. I mean, the list goes on. You know, he focuses on jazz and classical styles. Uh, he's been with us for the, you know, My Journey with Jazz programs. And uh, he's done some phenomenal work with our organization. He also, he's an instructor of music at the University of Tampa. He's presently teaching there uh, Introduction to Jazz, as well as World Music Cultures. Guess what? He had his bachelor's degree in arts and music from FSU. I think you heard of that school before. And his master's of music in jazz studies from USF. Staying here in Florida. So welcome back, Tyler. The stage is all yours. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, sponsors. Thank you, Clearwater Jazz. I really just enjoy being here, enjoy instructing uh, everything about jazz that I can. And so today it's about how to approach big band, you know, for woodwind and brass instrumentalists. Maybe you're coming into big band for the first time this year and you have no idea what you're getting into. <clears throat> Maybe you've been in big band uh, for the past couple of years now and you're looking to audition for colleges and maybe you don't you know, quite understand what that situation might be like. We're gonna clear up some of those things uh, today. You know, How does a big band function uh, on all these different levels and how can we understand you know, the roles of each chair? Now, for brass musicians uh, in the big band, right, uh, that in includes trumpets and trombones. Okay, so uh, 
these two sections differ a little bit because in the trombone section, we can have a bass uh, trombone, but you know, there's no bass trumpet in the, uh, in the trumpet section. Uh, unfortunately, that would be a really cool sound. Uh, and I'm sure it's been done before, uh, but still, you know, usually um, three, four, five trumpets uh, in the trumpet section uh, and anywhere from three, you know, straight tenor uh, trombones here uh, to uh, three with a bass, uh, four with the bass. Um, and I've even seen or, or groups that run double bass trombones. Okay. And so that's more, a more modern sound. Uh, so there's a lot of playing opportunities here, right? And for woodwinds, we have uh, baritone sax, we have our two tenor chairs and our uh, second and lead alto chairs. Okay. So again, a lot of playing opportunities when it comes to being a horn player in the jazz band. And that's great, right? Uh, because really the first thing that we want to sort of keep in mind is that we want to be open, okay? When we're approaching big band uh, music, okay? So by be open, um, open to others, open to others uh, playing, okay? Uh, open to getting up and maybe soloing, okay? Taking the opportunity uh, to try something new, right? And also uh, being open to playing different parts within your section, right? So being able to, uh, you know, read the third uh, trombone part, for instance, right? Uh, and then have the ability to maybe uh, switch off with the lead player, okay? Uh, you know, or the facility to, you know, grab the bass bone and, and read your, your bass part. Um, being more well-rounded is just going to uh, allow you to have more opportunities down the road, which is crucial, uh, right? And also you get to sort of choose, you know, what you would like to uh, uh, to play here, okay? So uh, understanding the roles of each chair is just uh, as important as being open, you know, to all those other opportunities you as a musician you gotta understand that you know playing lead and playing third um they have some similarities they're not completely different and a lot of times i hear that from students you know oh he's on lead so he's he's playing loud uh or louder should i say that's not necessarily you know what what's supposed to be happening you know, what's supposed to be happening is that the lead musician, the lead trumpet player, uh, for instance, is playing in such a way where the rest of the section hears his articulations. They hear his note links. They hear his crescendos, his day crescendos, because he's presenting it, you know, in front like that. And because he's doing that, not just, you know, the trumpet section can hear that, the entire band can hear that, uh, which then, you know, we balance down trumpets to trombones to saxes uh, in terms of, you know, matching these styles, right? So the trumpet is the furthest back uh, and also 
the loudest. So uh, we're able to hear how short, how long he's playing. And then the trombones, right? They can match that as well. Uh, and the saxophones follow suit. And then we have an entire band matching on not only time, but articulation. And that's when you really get uh, swing happening. Okay. Um, so like I said, you know, understanding these roles. Okay. So your lead role is about sound. You're going to be responsible for how your entire section perceives, uh, you know, whatever style of tune you're playing, whether that's a ballad, you know, uh, whether that's uh, slow swing, whether that's uh, up tempo, whether it's Latin. Okay. All of these things uh, are really determined um, you know, like I said, the articulations by your lead player. Okay. So that involves having a greater understanding of uh, maybe your instrument. Okay. Producing different sounds, uh, different fall techniques, uh, right. Having that ability to, to do all of those things because the lead musicians, they, they make choices, you know, when we're playing, um, I love playing lead, uh, but I, I also love playing second. I love playing third. You know, what's great about playing lead, excuse me, is that you get to choose how quick, you know, you, you fall or uh, the, the length of your crescendo just uh, within the band. Okay. Um, but that doesn't mean you're just playing very loud. That's a very common misconception. Um, so let's talk about playing second part. Okay. Uh, second uh, in terms of, you know, trombone two, trumpet two. Now this second part is usually voiced very closely to the lead part, you know, usually maybe a third or fourth or fifth away. Um, so that involves having to match that lead player's dynamic. We need to support them uh, so that those harmonies and pitches you know, slot together. We can't just have our lead guy sitting on top and everyone else just kind of, you know, playing intermittently below. We need to hear that full section. Okay, so second is a crucial part. Crucial, crucial, crucial. Uh, I cannot say that enough. And you will also see solos oftentimes written for second. Now, also first, um, you know, and other parts as well, but uh, primarily, you know, the second uh, trumpet, the second trombonists have the majority of the solos. Now, you might be saying, you know, why is that? The second trombone and trumpeter, uh, if you're thinking of a jazz band, okay, so uh, we have, you know, jazz band here, and then you have your rhythm section, okay? And so uh, the way the jazz band is set up is that uh, the side that's closest to the rhythm section, right? Uh, that is actually going to be the side where the trumpet two, the trombone two uh, are going to be closest. So they can hear the rhythm section a lot clearer than the other side of the band, uh, such as, you know, the Barry sax, the bass trombone. And oftentimes what happens, you know, besides just standing up to take a solo, uh, guys might come around to, you know, a center microphone uh, where the rhythm section 
can hear you know the soloist better uh, so you can communicate in in your solos rhythmically harmonically whichever okay so um harmonically in so harmony uh, this is found in your third parts oftentimes okay a very uh dense harmonic uh a, you know line usually and so third isn't necessarily just a walk in the park either uh because you're usually in this mid-range of your instrument uh and so in order to get these lines to speak just as clearly as your lead player it may involve some more finessing of your technique uh then being able to play you know shorter and uh louder uh, because you're up higher it, it's actually a bit tougher to do that lower in your instrument okay so second and third those parts are crucial i cannot stress that enough those interior uh, parts really make the band because if you think about it in maybe other terms here i'll give you an example uh, so a group of you know cheerleaders they form their pyramid, right, uh, in their show. Now, if they took all the, the strongest, you know, people and they put them at the top, what, what would happen to the pyramid? It comes falling down, right? There's no support at the bottom, and we can't have uh, our flashy, you know, person being at, at the top, uh, so what do we have to do? We have to support the pyramid going up uh, so that the person on top, uh, in essence, our lead musician, uh, can shine, can show how it's done, how to display articulations, display uh, all these things, falls, turns uh, of the instruments, crescendos, okay, dynamics. And so we're not just sort of leaving them hanging we're all playing and matching that level so that we can perform, okay? Um, and it's just, it's really important that third, uh, you know, third trumpet and third trombones take their parts very seriously uh, in those interior layers because those are crucial. And so uh, we have bass bone now and, and fourth uh, trumpet, Again, um, we can't really have a bass, you know, trumpet per se, uh, but our fourth uh, trumpets might have solos sometimes as well uh, in your parts. Fifth trumpets, for instance, uh, sometimes are, are a written part just for solos uh, in, in some cases. And your bass trombonist is more, or that fourth trombone line, if you don't have a bass trombone, you could play it on a you know, hit what you can on a regular trombone, but oftentimes it is paired uh, very closely with our baritone sax. So if you're on bass trombone, it's, it's great to listen, balance, and blend with your section. But again, like I said, be open to others, right? Uh, others playing. So here, man, does, is that person playing the exact same line as me, uh, you, you know, in front of me or behind me? Uh, and if so, well, that's something to pay attention to. 
Okay. And if something does get off, you know, between that, tap that person on the shoulder, say, Hey man, um, you know, we weren't, I don't think we were matching here. Do you have this line uh, and talk, you know, it's, it's all about understanding and having everyone, you know, sort of uh, provide that honesty uh, so that you can grow. I can't stress that enough. And so, yes, your base is, sound and intonation as well much like your lead okay um and again so your your baritone sax is with your your bass trombonist sort of uh oftentimes and then we have our tenors uh in our saxophone section uh and so with with tenors uh you know it's it's again it's crucial that we balance within uh, our section and we're listening to our lead alto because our lead alto has the same role as our lead trumpet player and lead trombonist in that they sort of set the tone or the precedent for how the tune is going to be approached, right? Um, how much vibrato you might use, right? And that's just one example. Uh, but that is sort of set by the lead players in the section uh, well, their job is to match, right? Match their sound. Um, if they're, you know, uh, responsible for any solos, they can uh, knock that out. Usually you'll see uh, solos for uh, first tenor. Uh, why? Because usually first tenor is, again, closest to your rhythm section. Um, and again, uh, it's all about balancing and blending as a big band, right? Uh, it's not about one individual. Uh, that's not how we approach big band styles, right? It's about seeing all these opportunities, understanding, okay, well, I can bring this to the table. Uh, and maybe that's your great sense of, of harmony uh, and in balancing. Well, man, third would be a great spot uh, for you to audition on or or jump in with, right? Or maybe you're a gifted soloist. Uh, in this case, second would be a great chair uh, for you if you're a trumpet player or a trombonist, right? Uh, or maybe uh, first tenor, right? Would be a great spot for you. Uh, if you have a great low register, well, obviously bass trombone, um, or baritone sax, uh, for instance, or even one of the lower uh, trumpet parts, just to sort of balance that pyramid, right? So we can't just have our lead musician up at top uh, wailing. Uh, we almost need the second to put in twice as much work, the third to put in more work than him, uh, and the bass to sort of be our foundation, okay? Foundation on uh, pitch, right? Foundation... Um, just, just on all of these levels so that we can have a nice balanced pyramid. Okay. And so there are some different approaches uh, you might take, you know, with maybe um, playing a lead part, such as maybe scaling down your mouthpiece size. If you're a brass musician, um, you know, or, uh, finding maybe a harder read uh, if you're, you know, alto one to sort of cut through that sound. Um, 
And so, you know, do this if you have means and if you're comfortable uh, doing this, because I know switching up gear uh, can throw a lot of other musicians off. Uh, but for instance, uh, you know, when I was in school uh, for my classical horn, I played a Schulke 52, um, which is a, a pretty average open um, mouthpiece. And then for my lead playing, I had a 47, which is a bit smaller. Uh, and that seemed to help me. Uh, but now I, I play um, a Marcinkowitz uh, 6E, and it's, it's, it's just right for me. Uh, and it sort of allows me to approach all of these things. Okay, so again, understand your playing. Understand how uh, you work best with others. How do you interpret, uh, you know, sound at that moment so that you can match and balance and blend? Uh, and having that understanding is just, it's absolutely crucial. Uh, hey, Mike, you got any questions? You know what, Tyler? I mean, you, you brought up some great points about balance. And I think there's been this misconception um, throughout the years that uh, first part is the most important. Uh, I have to get first chair for first part because if I'm on third or fourth, uh, that's boring and it's not necessary. It's not needed when <laughs> it's kind of in the reverse, like you said. If you don't have a strong foundation, I mean, my goodness, it's going to be a shaky sound. So uh, I'm glad you said something. So if you're a young uh, musician or student and you're listening and you're saying, hey, I just have to get first share, it's not all about that. That balance and that blend that Tyler's talking about is so very vital. So... Um, I guess the question is, what does the unbalanced band sound like? I mean, if it's really top heavy and all you hear is a lead and you don't hear anybody else. Have you heard that before? And, you know, what was that experience like? Well, you, you tend to. Uh, yes, I have to answer that question. And it it doesn't sound even you know you might hear one trumpet player really blasting out their part uh in a in a trombone player matching them right uh by them i mean the loud trumpeter and then everyone else is sort of you know figuring out their parts as they go along uh that's not a great sound as a as a band as a school band as a professional band why because it shows and it, we can hear that not everyone has the same level uh, of understanding or they're not even trying to okay and so that is what i you know listen to when i hear a, a big band i i try to hear you know is the trombone section sounding like one trombone playing four different lines or do i hear four different uh trombonists playing one line for instance or four four different lines uh, but the goal is to have your section uh, matching 
as as much as possible. And that does show that you've practiced sitting down and practiced, uh, you know, in sectionals uh, for this uh, performance. Well, I think you answered the next question. It was, uh, how do you achieve that sound? And you just mentioned a very important word, sectionals. <laughs> so uh, I guess you're saying that they should probably get together just like instruments and and play together maybe after school or maybe outside of school. I, I noticed that um, great sections build strong relationships amongst the section. You know, it's not all about just playing, especially if you've noticed that they're all friends. For some reason, they sound better. Why is that? Is it because, you know, they spend more time together? What is that? So, you know, I call that chemistry. Uh, you know, not, yeah, not, not chemistry, uh, you know, with hydrogen and, and oxygen, but, but chem human chemistry, uh, getting to understand individuals on a level beyond their name, right. Uh, getting to know the reactions, how they're going to deal with things, how they're going to approach certain things. Uh, and then once you understand that you can rely on that person or maybe not rely on that person uh, to do or perform, you know, uh, a certain way. Uh, but by doing sectionals, it, it ingrains, you know, yourself uh, with these other individuals and your ear picks up on different things that, uh, you know, A, B, and C uh, do. And so you're, you're used to that now. And if that happens again, you're not thrown off because uh, you are, you're learning with your, with your section and every section is different. Every single section, even if you have the same group of guys and girls uh, come back next year, it's going to be a different section. Why? Because you are all going to have a different level of understanding, right? Hopefully we will all grow uh, with our sounds, with our understanding of harmony. Uh, and hopefully those things uh, can propel us uh, to getting the band that much tighter in the future. That's a great answer. And I, I love when you said how that person is going to react. And the only way you're going to know that is by being familiar and spending time with your section. Uh, as we know in music, it's an unwritten rule. There's not a lot of talking up there on the bandstand unless you, you know, trying to encourage one another to blow that solo. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but man, to be able to communicate without talking and you know where that person's going to take it. Oh, that's a powerful thing. And I know that ensemble is going to be cooking. You know, you know what else is cooking? All of these what? sessions here with Clearwater Jazz Holiday, I mean, these virtual sessions are amazing. If you haven't told your friends and, and your bandmates about this, I'm not sure what's really happening. But, you know, always tell them to come over here to www.clearwaterjazz.com slash education. They're going to get free sessions and more. And then we have a whole library of things on improvisation, you know, you, you need to work on chords, great. You want to work on structure, 
theory. I mean, we have it here. And the best thing about it, it's free. Who doesn't like free? Okay, so we thank you for coming today. And if you have any uh, future session topic suggestions, we welcome it. Just email us, info at clearwaterjazz.com. If you want to tell how much you really love these sessions from Tyler Wordman, the perfect place is just to email us and let us know how this guy is doing. <laughs> so until we see you the next time, thank you so much, Professor Tyler Wordman. I'm your guest host, Michael Canodal, and we'll see you on the next one. Keep it swinging, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Clearwater Jazz Holidays, Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. Thank you to our friends at Marine Max Clearwater for helping to present this podcast series. To learn more about the Clearwater Jazz Holiday Annual Festival tradition, other special events throughout the year, and our year-round education and outreach, please visit clearwaterjazz.com.